Repentance, man. It's a great word. It's a great thing. It's not scary or demanding. It's an offer. It's like a come on inside, so to speak. I'm taking the word back from the pissed off Christian on the corner yelling at people. Man, you make repentance feel like moldy, stinky lettuce that you got to throw away. I'm taking it back and making it like Lucky Charms. So I remember on Bad Christian Spring of 2019 about how at the time I was doing the best and feeling the best I have felt in years. The fact of the matter is that I was ecstatic because for the first time since 2003, I was off antidepressants. I could feel again. Cry at the Lion King again. Everything was working down there in the sex department perfectly. And just the general, you just don't know how happy I was at the concept of not putting those chemicals in my body anymore. Happiest in years? (laughs) Who would have known? Who would have known the darkness I was heading in? About to go through, right around the corner. Not, but I was sincere, and I was deceived. So I was getting therapy at the time regularly for the first time, and that felt good. I did have heightened anxiety being off my meds, but I figured, hell, I can figure that part out with therapy, and hard work. Well, let me back up again. My anxiety was off the charts. OCD. Thoughts ruminating constantly, couldn't shut things off at night, millions of ideas to think through, tons of things to be constantly doing, but golly, I felt if I was off meds and not sad, I, I, my friends, could conquer the world, the reality. I was heading towards a breaking point and just didn't know it. So let me completely retract the statement back in 2019. It was far from being the best I was doing in years. My wife and I were even at odds, drifting further and further apart. But hey, I was working on me. I was working on me. So it would all be worth it in the long run. Just a few months later, you guys know I found myself in the most painful season of my life. I was out of commission in life and considering taking myself completely out of commission from living at night when my parents were sleeping. I wasn't working, I couldn't parent, and I was convinced I'd never be okay again. Throwing in the towel was like the only option I felt I had. My wife felt like it was a forest fire, burning everything to the ground. It was. But here's the full reality of what my wife believed about that forest fire. 
and I shared it in a sermon five or so months ago. So here you go. Take a little listen. It's about a five-minute clip. So many of you, and if you don't know this, about to tell you that my family, we had a extremely difficult time, difficult season last year. So starting in the summer of 2019, my mental health actually took a, a really bad turn for the worse and kind of in a, in a crisis situation, put me out of commission. It was like a perfect storm of, of darkness. And it felt completely hopeless. And we were trying to survive. We were trying to hold on for dear life. For some people, it did not feel hopeless. My wife was one of them. But even Priscilla could not anticipate what was to come, the goodness that God was preparing to bless us with and the life that he was, he was going to work through all of this. It, it, just, it just wasn't seeable at the time. So let me tell you a little bit about my wife during this time. God gave her a vision of a forest fire. Like when we were going through that time, she, she just had this vision that God was, was burning everything to our foundation and he was going to rebuild on him as the foundation, as, as something stronger than ever. And so I looked up forest fires on Google because I wanted to see how the land recovers. And here's the first thing that came up. We all know we can take to the bank whatever the first thing that comes up on Google. <laughs> and I do want to preface, if you're like a botanist and this isn't accurate, just cut me some slack. It works for the analogy, okay? <laughs> so... Google says that during wildfires, the nutrients from dead trees are returned to the soil and the forest floor is exposed to more sunlight, allowing seedlings released by the fire to sprout and grow. Now check this out. Sometimes post-wildfire landscapes will explode into thousands of flowers and the striking phenomenon known as a super bloom. Now, please tell me if you just heard your new favorite word. <laughs> a super bloom. Like if someone came up to me and said, hey man, I got something for you. I can't describe what it is, but I can tell you the name of it. I'd say, what's the name of it? Super bloom. I'd say, I'll take it. I don't even know what that is, but I'll take it. So this forest fire... In our lives last year, it, it burned away a lot of things in our marriage that were unhealthy to give us a new foundation and the opportunity to rebuild. It burned away bad habits, unsustainable lifestyles, bad patterns of thinking so that we could have a new vision. Now, it is too early to call super blooms on all of that because we're still learning and we're still growing and I would say even still recovering from all of this. But here is a super bloom that I will call right now that has come to pass with flowers 
all over the place. And that is our completely renewed love and appreciation for community. It's from the many people who stood by our sides, praying without ceasing, even bringing meals, to the people who said, hey, you guys have always been here for us. Let us be here for you. To the many leaders, including our lead pastor and his wife, who reassured us that they were in our corner for the long haul. Those are some super blooms that that we see right now. In unexpected ways for my wife and I, through community, God enriched our hearts and changed them permanently. I still struggle just like anyone. I still experience anxiety sometimes, but I really mean it this time. (laughs) I really mean it with tons of therapy, tons of learning, medicines, and many life changes. This is the best I've felt in my whole adult life. Best my marriage has ever been, but that's partly because Priscilla has allowed me to have a mistress. Dang, I'm still a really horrible person with really, really bad jokes. (laughs) Finally, with a clear head, the capacity for healthy processing and beautiful space I've never had before. I'll keep that last part about space vague. You'll have to use your imagination. I'm able to look back on some things and I want to share it with you all. That's what I do. That's what I do on this podcast. So I was actually jogging downtown Charleston and ran past the hospital I stayed at for a week when I had a mental breakdown. It got those wheels turning in my head, mostly with such gratitude. And one thing led to the next, and I started to think about everything. And one of the things I thought about was Thanksgiving. Not the holiday, just a general sense of thanks, reflecting on how my life is set up, Now things have passed on, gone away, and although the process has been hard, the end result was a really, really great thing. It is a great thing. One of the things that has passed was my involvement in Bad Christian. That day jogging, I really pondered that time in my life. All the mental energy, the hard work (laughs) come. What a journey. Much of it I'm still fond of. I mean, my email address is still joeyspensonbc at gmail for crying out loud. It will always be a part of me. But honestly, my mind went towards repentance. Now, of course, the podcast was represented by three hosts, and I'm just one of them. So obviously, these are personal reflections about me and things I regret I believe for the most part, my heart was in the right place during Bad Christian. But at the time, I was personally, I was really invested in ministry at church, a pastor actually, and was very comfortable bringing healthy criticism to something like the church that is and was very flawed. In many cases, 
Like what we've built as Christians and called church is unhealthy at best, dangerous at worst. And so my comfort with the whistleblowing from BC Pod was that it was truly stemming from a love for the church and it's like a desire to see it get better. I even had a reputation on the show <laughs> as the good, nice guy for the most part. But man, I was very arrogant, very prideful. And by masking it with, well, I'm a bad person, a bad Christian, I felt justified in being a know-it-all. And I didn't see it at the time. I remember how sweet the talented singer and songwriter Jennifer Knapp was when I had to make clear to her that I believed at the end of the day her homosexuality was a sin. Wow. That's awesome, Joey. She didn't really come on the podcast to hear your opinion on her sexuality. But hey, at least you understand scripture perfectly, Joey. So at the end of the day, you stood up for your inerrant knowledge and made sure that you set her straight. It's good for her, Joey. Cynicism, hopefully duly noted. I repent from that and I'm sorry not only to Jennifer Knapp, but anyone else I put in a nice little box and wrapped you up so nicely with my sealed, tight wrapping paper that was theologically sound analysis of who you surely were as a person. And even with that smug that I brought to the airwaves, I still received from my time at Bad Christian. I received. Over time, I learned a great deal from many of our guests, tons whom were very much more progressive in their beliefs. Some of them I wrote off as truly truly couldn't be Christians. But over time, and greatly due to their gracious demeanors, despite my closed-mindedness, I learned a great deal and started to find that I actually didn't have it all figured out. I had to figure that out, that I didn't have it figured out. I changed a lot. Changed a lot. Hell of a lot. Today, I'm someone that Joey, of 2014, when BC was just starting... I would have written off as a lost heretical, I better tie a millstone around my neck and throw myself into an ocean because I'm a misleader of God's children, tool of the enemy, verse Luke 17, 2. Also changed in not so great ways. See, I was so focused on bad Christian, the concept, making sure everyone understood that we are all bad, no one is good, everyone is hiding stuff. And I still believe this to a great degree, but I, as I submerged myself in this obsession, that's like, that's what it was. It was an obsession. I started letting go and losing sight of one of the most beautiful truths this world has to offer. And that's that people can really do beautifully good stuff. People can be sincere. They can be genuinely loving. Hell, one time on the show, the word love was talked about as the most overused, pointless word that is just shy of being completely worthless. Man, I really began to lose my way, losing sight of the beauty, the beauty of the human spirit. Now, I still don't really know what the hell Jesus meant when he said we'll do greater things than him, but I've got to at least believe that means people are capable of doing some decent stuff. And I'm so happy 
of this that I get to repent from this. I can't even express in a way that does it justice just how thankful I am to rid myself of this because... This is bullshit. That's some bullshit. This is bullshit. So people just aren't capable of of good. People just aren't capable of good. That's what I thought. What an affront to humanity and a slap in the face of our creator. But that's where I was heading in my view of people and of life. So I even started to be jaded in my own capacity to ever be a sincere person, to ever have close to pure intentions with anything. I still believe that pure intentions is rare, but that doesn't mean they're all evil intentions. Intentions don't have to be completely pure. I mean, we may just be too jacked up as humans to have completely pure intentions about anything, but pure enough intentions people do have all the time, and we can say that pure enough intentions are good. And now I'm free to believe my own capacity to do good and to have genuine care for people. Once again, everyone is different. But what the technical meaning of the term pastor is, I've found that is what I truly am. Like I genuinely care deeply about a lot of people, feel blown away by people I get to be friends with, am very sentimental, loyal and even sometimes choose to put others' needs over mine because I generally want to. Other times, it's begrudgingly, but hell, I'm human. Now, I want to help have a culture within a community in which we take care of one another. I don't believe everyone knows how this feels because everyone isn't this way, and that doesn't make them lesser. Now, I don't admire people who are belittling, hateful, and people who take advantage of others, but I certainly admire people who, um, for example, they get excited about big picture stuff, systems, details, tons of learning, but may roll their eyes at the thought of being lovey-dovey every damn second. I believe there's good in being slow to trust, quick to put up defenses. There's good in not getting bogged down in feelings and slow to carry other bur- other people's burdens, but... I'm I'm trying to do all this stuff to be more balanced, honestly, but this is never going to naturally be me, and I will never be naturally like this, and I don't understand what it feels like to be that way, and that's okay. That's me, but I love that I can accept how I'm wired up, do it in a healthy way, thanks to my therapist and my God, finally free to try and excel in being who God made me to be. So as I had problems with embracing who I truly was. I also started falling into seeing people as like this homogenous mesh that should all do the same thing, all be a certain at a certain place in their journeys and handle situations all the same. For example, wanting every person with a hint of fame to be completely open, honest, and transparent with their sin and their failings. I certainly think there were and are situations that call for this, but to forget that this is very hard. Like, I had no problem believing people were bad. But then when they do something bad, I want them just to immediately figure out how to handle it good. <laughs> like, even forgetting that people are different. Thank God for the Enneagram. Some people don't like to share anything personal. Personal, Much more difficult, their mess-ups. 
People struggle with being fake. Get over it. Others don't struggle with being fake, but have a horrible struggle being assholes. I started to enjoy putting certain sins on top of the list of the worst ones, like being fake, while judging people who aren't gay affirming for putting homosexuality on top of their greatest list of sins. If I if I figured out so well that people are bad, maybe that should have led me to have more love and grace and prayer for others, more honor for their journeys, more self-awareness of my B to the S and less worrying about putting people in their place. And I'm glad not to wear those daggone shoes anymore. Well, that's not totally true. I put them on every now and then. I'll give you that. Given that church was made of people and people are all bad, is what I thought. You guessed it. I started to be altogether cynical of church, even though I was seeing firsthand the good that was coming out of the one that I was a part of. Now, I never found myself in a place of writing the whole thing off. In fact, there was some building tension within the podcast because I wasn't at that black and white mentality of all churches are bad. But I certainly was at a place that I'm no longer proud of being in. I remember one time it was discussed that everyone says, yeah, but my church is good because of such and such, or my pastor isn't like the others, and how those are dumbass sentiments. They are all the same. Like, all pastors are the same. Like, anyone has been to every single church and met every single pastor. I repent from teetering on the line of sitting like on a throne of judgment for all churches. This king posture that could only stem from uh, some sort of omniscience of all churches and pastors. That'd be cool, man. Omniscience of all churches and pastors. One of the biggest things I'm freed of is something that rapidly escalated for me personally, and that was tension between working at a church and hosting a podcast that was becoming altogether anti-church. Not only were my personal views becoming less and less congruent with the general vibe of what we were doing with Bad Christian, but I also contributed to a disdain of something that's comprised of people who are capable of good and beauty. This something I'm referring to is the church. People are capable of such evil, even in the church. People are capable of such good even in the church. And oh, the sweet irony that the church is the family who sustained me during the worst of the worstest of times. (laughs) My family, they were sustained. Did I mention that I couldn't work my full-time job? Not only was my family taken care of, but people stood shoulder to shoulder with us through the whole season, from the lead pastors, Josh and Lisa, to a fairly new couple at our campus at the time, Zach and Lauren. People would not believe anything outside of hope. They saw mental illness for the clinically vicious bastard that it was and waited for therapy, hospitalization, medication, treatment, prayer, and faith to take its course. The dignity that we were treated with, the complete selflessness, the belief of who God had made me and my family and what he had built me to do was unwavering by our family. The 
adulation from the greater staff at Seacoast, i.e. family, was beaming from ear to ear when Priscilla and I showed up at a November Christmas party fresh out of our hell. The tears on people's faces from folks in our local campus when I returned as pastor. The term pastor forever humanized to all around me, if it hadn't already, never ever to be seen as the one who is the strongest, the one with the most wisdom, the one who is least vulnerable to almost losing forever. The presence of our lead pastor's wife that Sunday just to show her support and joy that I made it. It's my first Sunday back. I can barely hold back tears. And when it's all said and done, at the very least, in my contact context of church family, I can't help but to gladly hold my condemning tongue from speaking in universal generalities about the church ever again, ever again. So when speaking about churches, I had good intentions, but those intentions got out of hand and I repent from that gladly. And the joy and freedom of not having to be the judge of every heart and whether every heart is in the right. Oh, wow. (laughs) Feels good. I mean, evil, yeah, it's usually pretty obvious. Beauty and good, yeah, it's pretty obvious. But the human heart, I mean, what man can truly get to the bottom of that? And it feels a lot better just to bask all opinions of people and critique of people with love and just a true desire to see a fellow human free of their damn selves. Now, perhaps the most personal repentance is from my failure to see that Joey Svensson and Priscilla Svensson and Seacoast Church is a mother freaking match made in heaven. Now, I know not everyone gets to have this. I also know that many pastors shouldn't be pastors, and many people in ministry are serving in very bad, misled cultures. But I'm done evaluating and assessing the theoretical role of pastor and whether they should be doing it and allowing that to have any bearing on the only life I have complete responsibility for, and that's your boy Joey Svensson's. I only know who I am, what I'm capable and not capable of, and whether I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing with this split second of a life I've been gifted with. Now, why this match made in heaven? Now, there's many reasons, but I'll give you just a few. One thing that was troubling me got really aggravated, off the charts messing with me during my mental health crisis, and I talked to my friend and Pastor Josh Stratton and his wife about this. This full conversation will air on a later date, but I want you to hear this part of it right now. I know another big thing on my mind because when when someone falls into a depression like this, it's like the most important things are the are the stuff that you're most vulnerable with, and like spirituality is is one of the most important things for me, or the most important. And then a lot of my baggage and upbringing and everything, it's like I it's almost like I had to 
self-sabotage and make sure you knew how crazy my beliefs were. <laughs> <laughs> it is true. Like you I was just like, did. I think I actually said, dude, I feel more in line with Rob Bell. <laughs> like that's how bad it is or something like that. And, and I mean, now, now with my more sane, bra- sane brain, like I totally, I'm like, I'm fine at Seacoast. Like I, you know, we're enough on the same page. But at that time, I was like, that's another factor is I do not need to be here like this. And, and I want to be here and I shouldn't like I'm being a liar to you. That's kind of how I felt. And I was like thinking, Joey, I've heard your podcast. I know where you stand. <laughs> I know how jacked up you are. And that's never scared me before. Not really jacked up. I know that you see things a little bit differently, um, but I have no question that we're we are uh, brothers in Christ. We're moving in the same direction. And so for me, it was one another one of those just as much as the job thing. For me, it was like that's not that's not an issue, Joey. Like, just why why do you keep bringing this up? Yeah, I know. I felt like you were you were you were exagger you were trying to like prove to me that you were right out there to see if I was going to fire you. And again, I felt like I was in the emergency room with somebody uh, <laughs> with a, a head injury, right? And that wasn't even registering to me as, as a valid conversation. Right. It was yeah, like, why, it why was are we like talking that. about your job? Right. You know, this is, and so, um, yeah, but I do remember you being obsessed about that. I remember thinking, I've known Joey for about 15, 16 years now. If he doesn't think I know right. um, that, that he's a little bit different from me and certain theological things and certain, you know, that doesn't bother me. Yeah. Um, so this, this dude knows it all. And he probably talked to his wife about it, too, so she knows it all. I've shared with these guys everything about me, things I've never shared on this podcast, and you guys know damn well that's not a lot that I haven't shared on here. I mean, I remember when we started Bad Christian Podcast, Pastor Josh actually saying, I'm sure you guys will be hard on Seacoast at times, but I'm trust you. I, I trust you with how you'll do it. He said, What? He gave permission for us to be hard on Seacoast, but all churches are exactly the same. My leaders know that I follow Jesus the best I know how. They know I'm wrong about some things, and they readily admit they are too. I was getting to a point, though, in which I focus way too much attention on their wrong and just eh, forgetting about all the right. And here's what's right. I'm part of a church that, like any group of people, gets things wrong, but I've been here long enough to know at the end of the day we're trying to get things right. And another thing we have right is we value other perspectives of theology. We'll call them non-essentials that do not interrupt the greater vision of loving people, serving people, and bringing them into community that Jesus leads. It's a match made in heaven. I get to believe and think the things that I do and still be here because we're on the same page and the most important stuff. And so I'm still learning. I'm very thankful for what I learned during that bad Christian season and definitely don't write it off as a wash, but by any means, I mean, wow, the people I met, the friendships I maintain to this day, the relationships made with others who were trying to figure stuff out while rethinking everything, 
There was a family feel to it. Hearing from beautiful listeners and how their lives were changing, the fact that we occupied a space for people who didn't have a community where they could be open and honest about their doubts and struggles. It's beautiful. People who were trying. Well, I was trying to, but this reflection today is mostly about all my failures. And I repent, and I'm thankful to the Spirit for holding my hand through the whole thing. Peace out. Well, me and Keith.